Viking Strong Resistance Bands. They actually have a couple options. They have pull-up bands in different weights. They have strong floss bands for muscle compression. It's kind of cool. It's made out of the same. It's made out of like this stretchy kind of rubbery stuff. So it's kind of like a knee brace, but it's customizable. Like you wrap it where it needs to be. And the third thing on their product list, it's a door anchor that you hook the pull-up bands to. And the cool thing about them is you can take them on the go. I do them in my office. You can throw it in your suitcase or briefcase if you're going out of town. Viking Strong has literature on their website, and I'm going to put links to all their products on wildernesslaw.us. Hopefully while you're hanging out at wildernesslaw.us, you click through and buy a resistance band. And when being strong isn't enough, be Viking Strong! <laughs> Facebook, and I'm going to do our intro wherever I put it. Boom! Yeah, Wilderness Law Podcast. What's our slogan, Tristan? Hashtag Hunt Silver Live Wild. Yeah. All right. So, uh, so our podcast is. So let's see. There's moi. It's like clicking slow. Okay. Sorry for people listening to just the audio version of this because it is... So far boring. Well, because I'm doing a bad job. <laughs> All right. So I'm Lane and Tristan. Duck into the camera real quick. There's Tristan. And I'll throw his graphic up a, a little later. And then we're recording at... The Cabela's in Buda, Texas. At six ten. With our special guest. Let me see. I'm gonna see if I'm gonna do can do this all fancy news switcher style. <laughs> and I'll send you a, a link so you can watch it on. Ah, it is in focus now. Finally, boom. There you go, Chris Mitchell, the director of the Texas Youth Hunting Program. Uh, we saw Chris speak uh it was a less than a month ago i guess at right. the williamson county for it shooting tristan i'm an archery coach and tristan's uh archery uh whatever he flings sticks in the direction of the target usually and uh sticks some of them and uh which is about what i do too um, but yeah so we were lucky enough to hear talk there I keep bumping my mic and the camera's mounted on the mic <laughs> so okay uh, Tristan did you do any how much prep did you do for the podcast today I did some prep okay all right Chris you want to say hi howdy thanks for having me Lane yes, Tristan sir. good to meet you yeah again yeah, right. yeah I'm good. we didn't uh, get to yammer at you too much that night at, in uh, Georgetown, but glad we got you on the podcast because this definitely is right up our alley. Because uh, Wilderness Law, when I started it, it was I thought it was just going to be me, and then the first one we did was just like in the truck. He Tristan drew 
lot. Tristan drew a, a bunch of uh, Texas Parks and Wildlife like WMA tags last year. Uh, he drew three this year. Well, five this year. But uh, so it just worked out to where I was like, oh, I might as well record something. So we just took a mic and you're being doing that right in front of the microphone. <laughs> and uh, so we just recorded like the trip there and the trip back and it ended up being the weekend before uh, rifle opening rifle weekend, you know, the, the youth hunt they do. And, uh, and the hunt was in East Texas. It was supposed to be a five hour drive normal, but I don't know if you remember that weekend, but it was a torrential downpour. So it ended up being nine hours of sitting on I-35. <laughs> so, so we had plenty of time to do a podcast. <laughs> that was probably one of our longer podcasts. Yeah. What uh, WMA did you get drawn at? That one was White Oak Creek, uh-huh. uh, which was, it was cool. Uh, Rangers and stuff there, they were all really nice. And then, All the WMAs do a really good job of uh, especially accommodating young people. It's, mm-hmm. It seemed like we we never met a person we didn't have get something positive out of, you know, even all the other hunters, which in a lot of situations where you run into the other hunters, that ain't always the case. Yeah. yeah. Well, everyone's pretty generally pretty happy that they got drawn and yeah. uh once again like you know parks and wildlife really goes out of the way to make um space for youth especially on on the wildlife management areas and they're mm-hmm. generally underutilized uh pieces of property so they're really good hunts yeah yeah, yeah. It, it was neat it was uh so that was and we we didn't see any deer we did see some hogs to east texas yeah, and uh, uh, then we ended up hunting. Uh, where do we go? We went. There's James Daughtry Chaparral, Chaparral, which Ooh, we weren't you got drawn on the Chap. Well, we didn't. We went to the Thanksgiving one, which ah, okay. you know they get anybody because we were at Daughtry two weekends before or whatever, and a dad there was like, "If you go to the Chap, you're gonna get in." And uh, so it's we're not big fans of high fence, so we were little bit i mean it's whatever anybody wants on it's not that well, isn't our thing with it's it. high fence but it's more a like a laboratory laboratory yeah, type it's a thing, demonstration right? spot mm-hmm. and they uh they have it high fence so that they have uh you know for study purposes mm-hmm. kind of a captive situation uh, yeah. unlike someone who might have their property high fence because they're putting in exotics or something like that they right use, they use the wildlife management areas for study and demonstrations yeah it was just like it was we didn't know it was high fence and I, as soon as i saw it i was Plus like it's oh. pretty big yeah it's huge <laughs> and i understood why but it was me and him had just done a podcast like the week before kind of down talking high fence and so i was like oh i feel weird even though i knew it's yeah it's definitely a very different situation but it's hard to we had gone so far in the crazy direction on the previous podcast we're like oh i sound like an idiot now but we didn't he didn't get anything until the last we were he was the first the first hunter drawn on um, a brand new oh what what was it called strawn texas it's It's actually uh, right here on a map i found it palapinto in palapinto right there yeah the pal uh like the landowner either donated it to the state or they bought it i never got the story or really even tried that hard to get it but uh, that part of it but they've 
so the state has had it for 10 years and has been, you know, monitoring and da 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 And so it, there were three uh, hunters drawn, and we were the only ones that showed up. And huh. so he gave us kind of the, he's like, uh, just pick. He showed us all three blinds that they'd built and said, pick one of the three. And, um, and it was a, you know, like most of those youth hunts, it was a, a spike doe only, right? Mm-hmm. And with beautiful eight pointer. Yeah, nothing brings <laughs> out the bucks like a doe only hunt. Yeah. But he ended up getting a 200 pound hog. Oh, excellent. Yeah, it was really cool. And, um, and he creased it right through the, uh, spine. He nervous and everything, but it, if you're gonna, make a bad shot at least it put it down and we were able to kill it to it didn't suffer yeah exactly all that fun stuff well this weekend we just uh, started a new hunt with the texas youth hunting program and also our our partners texas parks and wildlife at the powderhorn ranch uh really neat story uh the state got some money from fish and wildlife service and was able to buy a seventeen thousand acre piece of property uh, from the brown family Mm. who were the original lawyers for the King Ranch and owned this, I think, 27,000 acres total Mm -hmm. um, and are trying to sell two pieces, and they sold one 17,000-acre piece of property to uh, Parks and Wildlife with the provision that it become a park uh, and a wildlife management area. And so in the interim, while they're getting the funds to develop the facilities to open it to the public we're doing youth hunts on it mm-hmm. and um, so there's some neat partnerships that are coming out there and they have a very interesting animal out there that some of your listeners might not understand or heard of I hadn't heard of it before I got down there they're called a sambar um, S-A-M-B-A-R um, and they're an Indian deer about Smaller than an elk, but bigger than a um, mule deer. Hmm. And uh, obviously they're introduced, and so Parks and Wildlife would like to get rid of them. And we had two hunters get two sambar. One of them weighed in at, I think, 310 pounds. Man. So they're big animals. I've heard Um, of those. Yeah. And it kind of looked like a red deer. Yeah. Uh, But they're from India. And, of course, they have axis there, which are also from India. And... Of course, the place is covered up with hogs. So we had, I think they took two sandbar, two or three axis, and two hogs. Then so you said, but well, what area, part of Texas? It, it's um, Port O'Connor, Port Lavaca, okay. mm-hmm. down on the coast. Oh, man, uh, the wildlife down there. Beautiful. I keep beautiful. telling. Plus, the fishing is, I'm sure, just incredible. Yeah. The biggest rack I've ever seen in person was in the Victoria Walmart parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, it happens that way. Right. Those deer aren't stupid. You no. know, they know where they're not pressured and where they're not. Yep. So, it, but yeah, it's, man, there's a lot of good, I'd love to have a lease down there. Me and my uncle look down there a lot, and we may be getting on a lease that's south. Eh, it's probably like 100 miles, eh, 75 miles south of there, like real close to the border. Yeah. To where the, we hunted there once. Uh, it's a friend of ours place. And, you know, we, I hunted up here. Well, all the hunted, hunting I'd ever done was Central Texas. And so I was like, why are there padlocks on your box blinds? And he was like, well, there's some people come over the border, and you don't know when you're going to wake them up and <laughs> whether or not they're going to be armed. Yeah, a lot of people leave their ranch houses and stuff open. 
because they don't want their door their locks broken. Right. So they leave it open, or they leave some beans and water out on the porch. Yeah. And you do that, and people generally just move on. It's unfortunate that people can't really enjoy their own property because of invaders. Yeah. Right. Uh, That's on uh, Chaparral, uh, we were. Um, which is an argument for a high fence. <laughs> well. <laughs> we when we were on Chaparral, we weren't seeing anything, and we we had the extreme uh, south east unit mm-hmm. and we came back and we were like we didn't see anything and the guy working there was like well last night some uh people broke cut through the Illegal, fences yeah. illegals and Un- cut through the Un- what is it undocumented or whatever it is yeah <laughs> broke through the fence uh cut through the fence and just ran through the property yeah well, they have a problem down there every now and then with someone, you know, trying to straighten out a curve, bashing into the high fence, mm-hmm. and stuff escapes and stuff gets in, and it's, it's a problem. So yeah. you may know you may have noticed that they have a, a cable and post small short post mm-hmm. system set up in front to try and prevent the cars from crashing into the fence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of a first line of defense. Uh, yeah. The because uh, I think, because I'd been down there to work before and didn't realize it's the same place till we got down there, because we were working for one of the oil companies. Yeah, uh, it's, it's pretty big. My my day job and uh, and uh, but yeah, it's cool country down there. And well, and you know, there's I'm sure you know, but the warthogs. Yeah. Uh, they seem to have got them under control now. Do they? Last, That's last time good. I talked, we had a we had a uh, huntmaster huntmaster workshop down there um, late summer. Uh, and the biologist there was telling me that thought they had the, at least the Russian, or excuse me, the warthogs mm-hmm. more or less under control. Yeah, they okay. hadn't seen them in a while. Okay, so that's good. Yeah, but you never know. They may have just gotten smart and going to reappear with a vengeance later on. <laughs> right? We'll yeah. See. Who knows? That's uh, when, so when, when we were on the Thanksgiving hunt, there was a normal youth hunt like mm-hmm. the weekend before or something yeah. like that, and I had heard through internet rumor that two warthogs were taken that weekend and then they, it was I didn't realize it was one little girl had taken both of them I was like ah oh, that's kind of cool <laughs> like they had this uh, they had this uh, like place where you would throw like like ho- hooves and stuff mm-hmm. uh, and I saw warthog hooves in there it was interesting the bone pile. Yeah. Uh, so how did you, did you, when did the Texas Youth Hunting Program start? Well, the Texas Youth Hunting Program started in 1996. Um, interestingly enough, one of my professors when I was in college, Dr. Wallace Klusman, had the idea uh, after noticing that the ages of hunters was ever increasing and there was not a, a bunch of young people coming to replace hunters. And, of course, hunters and anglers are what pay for our parks and our wildlife management areas. So they knew that if they didn't recruit the next generation of hunters and anglers, then we weren't going to have parks and wildlife management areas. So Dr. Klusman, along with some others that uh, were part of the, uh, also founding the Texas Wildlife Association, suggested to Parks and Wildlife 
that they start a youth hunting association is what it was called at first in 1996. Mm -hmm. And then the first hunts began in 1997. And my predecessor, Dr. Uh, Doctor, excuse me, um, Jerry Warden, um, really got the program uh, up and running. He was the second director, actually, uh, but built the strong volunteer base that we have today. And uh, I started with the, the program in 2012. Uh, Jerry hired me to replace him. And then he retired in 2014, and I, I took over. In, in 2014. We've maintained our association with the uh, Texas Wildlife Association. They, they are our parent organization and we are a partner with Parks and Wildlife. We are Parks and Wildlife's youth hunting program. One of them. Obviously they have others because Tristan has been on. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's when I first uh, saw that you were speaking. I thought that's what you were going to be talking about, the thing that Tristan's on. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that there was a different model at play, like parallel kind of the same purpose but parallel models of getting them getting it done yeah really we all have the same mission you know just like our our game wardens also take young people on hunts uh they're mandated by tradition really that's almost law although it's not really codified in the in the regulations but their tradition is that they're responsible for taking young people out uh, on uh, outdoor events that could be a hunt that could be fishing um, but we all really have the same purpose is to get young people involved in the outdoors. Ours is a little bit more specific. Um, our purpose is to introduce new hunters to safe, legal, and ethical hunting. Uh, and we incorporate an education component into all of our hunts. So one of our prerequisites is that all of our hunters have to have completed hunter education. And so what we're doing is we're providing them the field opportunity to put into practice what they learned in the classroom. And then we take it one step further. So when someone, for example, when someone harvests a deer or a hog on one of our hunts, um, we take that opportunity to teach them how to uh, field dress skin and quarter. Uh, and then we also, in addition to that, so we use every, everything during a hunt as an education opportunity. A lot of our hunts are, are camping opportunities as well. So people get a chance to, you know, go out for three days. Our hunts are typically three, day long, three days long. Some people haven't spent that much time outdoors and they don't really know how to do it. So uh, they get the opportunity on one of our hunts to kind of practice uh, their camping skills or outdoor living skills uh, in addition to hunting and um, field uh, care of, of game that they mm -hmm. that they harvest yeah that's cool that's and that is i saw you know i'm a member of eight thousand hunting facebook groups that it, it's interesting watching the arguments but one guy i get was talking about he had uh been working at a, a processing place right and said he never saw a deer come in gutted like wherever he was at he's somewhere in central texas and uh said nobody who brought their deer to that guy ever gutted their deer in the field and i'm like uh oh okay yeah <laughs> that's a uh, dangerous practice yeah, in running south some, texas yeah, yeah. I, was, I wouldn't do that to me yeah. i i hunt primarily because i like to process my own meat and um i also 
really enjoy teaching someone who hasn't learned over, you know, in their hunting life how to field dress. And one of the things I really love about my job is I get to see different, how people do things differently. And what I like to tell people is there's, man, there's a hundred ways to field dress a deer or a hog. Mm -hmm. And none of them are wrong as long as you uh, get the insides outside. And uh, I got to give credit to where that, uh, that, statement came from from uh one of my good friends who's a volunteer with the texas youth hunting program uh robert warren uh, whose son alan warren and keith warren both uh run you know their own wildlife and hunting operations and uh robert warren um he he he's the one that when he was he was telling the story of you know teaching his son how to field dress a deer and he said son you just got to get the insides outside <laughs> and uh one of his great stories but you know it just kind of goes to show you the, the depth of volunteers that we have in the program yeah you know, really really the, the volunteers are what really make the program um although all three components you know if you ha if you have a bunch of volunteers you need a place for them to hunt and the landowners provide that uh you couldn't if any one of those components is missing you just don't have a program um, of course, yeah. the, the youth are the, the primary focus of the program. They're the reason that we exist. But we're able to conduct these hunts because generous landowners donate access to their property. And uh, while I run a few hunts myself and cook on a few, um, I mean, I'm not running 190 hunts myself. That's done by our large cadre of volunteers that absolutely love um, to pass on the hunting heritage to young people and, and, and to their parents because sometimes the parents have gotten into hunting because their children uh, expressed an interest in it. Mm -hmm. and, and I really admire those parents who, you know, don't know much about hunting who decide, okay, my son or daughter said they want to go hunting and I'm going to take them. And we really love to have, you kind of get two for one in those instances when you got a new a new youth hunter and a parent that's maybe never hunted or didn't have much experience with it and they come on one of our hunts and they all learn something it's a it's a really good deal yeah yeah, yeah. that's cool that's, and that's something that's kind of interesting about like my generation there's not a ton of hunters uh, uh for whatever reason i know i guess you know i my dad doesn't hunt my stepdad did and so all the hunting we did as kids was with him and he he's the one that got me into it as an adult and um and he took you know him me and him to well he took us turkey hunting at one point and i was just like i've and since then it's rare that i go hunting that he that tristan's not with me and uh could I, I don't care what anybody says. Turkey hunting's the best, the most fun <laughs> hunting there is. Yeah, there's that interaction with the animal. Yeah, you know? it's it's it's. I don't even know how to describe it, but there ain't nothing cooler than having a conversation with a non-human entity. You know, it's it's cool. <laughs> it just you can't beat it. Even if the turkey's only showing up out of idle curiosity. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What is this? Who yeah. is this guy well, that's a weird noise? Yeah. He has a very funny accent. I want to go see what he looks like. <laughs> I think there's an injured car axle over here I'm talking to. Yeah. Okay. I wrote some, down some questions. Oh, you fire already away. answered two some of them. Okay. Of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Okay, so I, 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 one of my questions is, how do you become a hunt master? Well, that's a great question. Um, and let me ask this question first, though. How old are you, Tristan? Twelve. Okay. Um, when you turn 13, you can become an assistant hunt master. So it's not just for adults. Um, so someone 13 can, become, can be an assistant hunt master. When they turn 18, they can be a hunt master. And the way you become a, a hunt master is to attend hunt master training. Now, I have to say that you don't have to be a hunt master in order to volunteer with the Texas Youth Hunting Program. If you want to guide uh, or you want to cook or you just have some education thing that you'd like to pass on to people, you know, we've got a place for you and you can just be a volunteer. But if you want to become a hunt master, um, we have, right now we have six classes already scheduled for what I call training season. Okay, we're in hunting season right now. Um, we're doing a bunch of deer hunts, hog hunts. Uh, we even got a few duck hunts coming up, uh, exotic hunts as well. Uh, and then turkey season is going to start in March and go through May. So we'll do turkey hunts as well. Um, but we will get into what I call training season in March. And we'll start with our first hunt master, uh, hunt master training um, in North Texas. And then we have a hunt master course for every, you know, cardinal direction of the state one for south texas one for west texas one for east texas one for north texas and we have one in central texas because we just have a lot of hunts and a lot of uh people uh, you know that that live in the central area we're doing that one kind of late in the year because we're learning that you know people start thinking about hunting in august and and september and uh you know, in the spring and the summer, they're not thinking about hunting so much. So we've learned that our, our class sizes are really big in the fall, so we've, uh, we've adjusted our schedule to uh, incorporate that. So you attend hunt master training, and then uh, you're invited to attend a hunt as an assistant hunt master or a hunt master. Uh, we recommend that you attend a couple of hunts, you know, either as a participant or, or as a volunteer mm -hmm. to see what it's all about. Because then that, you know, the training is kind of a drink from a fire hose. It's a lot of information in a short period of time. But when you go to a hunt, you get to see how it all comes together. And then if you decide to take the step of, of running a hunt as a lead hunt master, well, then we link you up with an experienced hunt master and mentor you through your first hunt. Uh, and, and if you decide you need some more help, you know, we'll mentor you through your second hunt or whatever. But the bottom line is we're not just going to throw you out there and ask you to run a hunt without any guidance or any, any help. Right. Uh, so we mentor our, our new hunt masters through their first hunt. And then after that, um, we cut them loose to help us recruit landowners, help us recruit volunteers, and help us recruit uh, youth and to run hunts. And That's we, awesome. we teach them everything that they need to know during one of our hunt master training. And we run it generally like a hunt. It starts on a Friday. Um, we've pared it down a little bit. It ends on a Saturday. But it is uh, it's about 20 hours of information. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of information. But then we encourage everyone to go on a hunt to really help them put it all together. A lot of practical exercises, a lot of hands-on stuff. Uh, plus, you're getting to meet with people that, you know, have a, some of the same interests that you do. So it's a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna. I, this was two questions, but I'm gonna make them one. Okay. Uh, where do you guys get all the gear and all the food? Very good question. Um, a lot of the gear 
Uh, we buy with some of the money that we get in grants. We have a number of supporters that, that help us out. Uh, Parks and Wildlife provides us a grant, uh, and, and we buy gear with that. Um, and we have another of, uh, a number of other partners and private philanthropic organizations that support us as well. Um, the National Wild Turkey Federation is a supporter. The National Shooting Sports Foundation is a supporter. The National Rifle Association is a supporter. Um, this is the danger of listing, trying to list them off the top of your head. You're going to leave yeah. somebody out. They're all going to get mad at me. Uh, the McBride Foundation, the Gage Foundation, the G. Raleigh White Foundation, um, Safari Clubs, San Angelo, Houston, Dallas, okay. all are supporters of us. Uh, um, and if you... Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation, big supporters well, of the Texas Is there a list on program. the website? Oh, yeah. Okay. And yeah. then I, so I can link to that on the show notes, too. Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Because so. I, I, I will have forgotten someone and they'll get mad at me. I am, yeah. I'm the same way. But, <laughs> yeah, we get, but the bottom line is we're supported by a lot of great organizations who are interested in, in us getting the next generation of hunters out there. So that answers the gear question. Uh, the food question, some of that same money that we get from those supporters goes towards. Uh, the food because during a hunt tyhp provides all the food during a hunt and provides a cook now what's amazing is our some of our generous landowners in addition to donating access to their property will insist on donating the food as well and we tell them you know well we we can provide the food and they're like no i want to <laughs> do this we're like okay That's uh, cool. i mean it's just amazing and the, the um I think humility is one of the things that I'm really learning. I'm hu constantly humbled by the generosity of our landowners, our volunteers, uh, and, our, and our supporters. I mean, they just they, they love what we're doing, and um, they want to see more people get involved because they see the benefits of young people being involved in the outdoors with their family, spending that time, um, you know, outdoors. Yeah, that's cool. That, you, yeah, that's... You don't know. You never know what to expect. With land, just from the point of view of a guy who's talked to landowners trying to get a lease going, right? Not always the same thing. Even if you got kids or whatever. So that's awesome that you found a lot of really cool people. But just to kind of further expand, Tristan, on your food question, um, you know, our, our cooks uh, do a lot of the shopping for the for the food. We have a budget for a hunt. And our cooks do a great job of keeping within the budget. Um, we have it as a a policy, I, I guess you'd say, just a belief that you know you might not have steaks and caviar at it. Well, you probably won't have caviar, especially <laughs> at a TYHP hunt. But Unless you the, cut them out of a fish yeah, yourself. The, the food that you're going to have is there's going to be plenty of it, and and, it, and it's going to be good um, because. Because we don't want anybody to go away hungry, um, so we we really try and provide um, plentiful meals on all of our TYHP hunts. And I tell you what, some of our some of our cooks are just incredible. They go they go crazy uh, <laughs> with with preparing meals, and you, you you'll see the poor cook uh, backed into a corner by some moms and some dads saying, "Okay, what's your recipe for this? What's your recipe for this? How did you do that? How did you prepare you know fried chicken and mashed potatoes out in the field?" 
uh, you know, right, I, yeah. I, I have a hard time doing that at home. You're really making me look <laughs> bad here. So, no, our cooks yeah, really do a wonderful job. Awesome. But uh, they buy the food, and we reimburse them with the funds that we get from our supporters. That's cool. Okay, I have a question. Um, let's say magically, some like the whole group kills a whole bunch of hogs, mm-hmm. and they don't want to like take the hogs home, but but they take the meat. Could y'all cook the meat at camp and eat that? We have done that in the past. We have one particular hunt where they um, part of the education of the hunt is making foods from some of the meat that they that they've harvested they'll make sausage or they'll prepare you know ground meats and then they they use that during the hunt uh, and of course the the parks and wildlife regulations allow for that you can you know take some of the meat from the animal that you've harvested and, and consume it in camp uh, so yeah we, we do that on some of our hunts but we it's rare that um, someone harvest something on one of our hunts and they don't take the meat mm-hmm. it's pretty rare um and then but and, and even if someone says okay i don't want this hog meat there's usually someone that does right so yeah, we, right. we find a home for the hog meat if not we also partner with uh trinity oaks uh that's a great organization in san antonio that uh takes meat um, from deer that people donate or hogs that people mm-hmm. donate and they process it and package it and give it to the needy um, so on very rare occasions we, we might donate a, some meat to Trinity Oaks and then they get it to the needy so oh, none of it goes to waste is the bottom yeah. line I'm going to okay. have to go when I go back edit the podcast I'm going to have to write all these organizations down for the show notes because yeah. some of them I can link to but some of them are real specifically want to like that one, Trinity Oaks. I'm gonna specifically want to. Yeah, list they're a great them on organization. Website. We trained a bunch of their guys to be hunt masters too. Oh, that's cool. But they run their own hunts. They really don't have really? time for us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's kind of cool. Okay. It is really neat. So when we you were talking to uh, the 4-H people, mm-hmm. uh, you talked about pronghorn hunts, and mm-hmm. me and him have been like always. That's kind of been yeah, one of our dream bucket hunts. List hunts. Yeah. So, uh, we actually, the next one? Well, and we actually, one of our talking about bucket lists, we did a podcast where, uh, and we're going to, the plan is to like each year do like an update on it, uh, where we just pitched each other ideas for like a fantasy conservation project. Mm-hmm. And what we ended up kind of, after banging our heads together on the podcast, we came up with like uh, pronghorn habitat, out west and turkey because come on but (laughs) but uh but yeah so when we heard you were doing it we were we both looked at each other like big nerds that we are like oh yeah yeah well we're very fortunate that uh we have some landowners up in the uh, panhandle area that uh, donate uh, permits Uh, pronghorn in the state of texas are all permit hunts the the permits go to the landowners and then the landowners can do with them what they wish and fortunately for us some of those landowners donate those permits uh, to us Mm -hmm. and um, however many permits we get from the landowners and we will will run that hunt now the difficulty that a lot of people have with pronghorn especially in texas is that 
the season is only nine days long. Yeah. And so we get one weekend. And um, let me see, the first two hunts that we did, we got 10 permits. Last year, they kind of distributed the permits a little bit differently. We got five. Um, but um, we're, we're planning on doing the hunt again next year. It's generally been the second um, weekend of the, the season. And, um, you know, you just got to look out on the, on the website. Uh, we generally open up the, the next season by about July. Um, this year we ran hunts all the way into June and we have to shut our database down and for, from one season and then start it back up for the next season. So, you know, start checking the website about uh, July uh, and certainly August and September and, and you'll see when that pronghorn hunt is. And it's generally just listed as pronghorn. Um, and, th and there's only one. And, uh, but you just never know how many permits we're going to get. Um, but like I said, it's such a short season, it, it's tough to, get, tough to get drawn on that one. Yeah. Okay, this is my last question. Okay. Okay, so. Make and, it good. Yeah. They've all been good, though. Okay. How do you guys do your drawing? Is it like a first come first serve, or is it other? Okay, that also a great question. So, uh, just to reiterate, we anyone who's nine to seventeen can apply for our hunts. Before they can attend a hunt, they have to they have to complete hunter education. So, um, and you can apply for as many of our hunts as you like. We give priority to people who have never hunted, mm. okay? Uh, the next priority goes to people who have not hunted with the Texas Youth Hunting Program. So, and, and of course, we can keep track of that. Um, if, if you've never hunted with us and you apply for a hunt, we see that, you, that you've never hunted with us. And so we would, put, we would pick you over someone who has hunted with us, okay? We really don't have any means to determine whether or not someone has not hunted. But mm -hmm. if they tell us they haven't, um, and we see that they've never hunted with us, well, then, then we give them priority. So, um, you know, and we, what we do when we go to draw the hunters for a hunt, we start at the top of the list based on when they applied. And we go to the first person on the list that has never hunted with us and has never hunted, and we pick that person. And we go on down the line uh, picking with priority those people that have never hunted with us until we fill the hunt. If we run out of first-time hunters before we fill the hunt, then we go to the next person who has the least number of hunts with us. Um, so um, it generally gets difficult to get on another hunt after you've had about three or four hunts with us. Then it, get, it gets really difficult. Mm -hmm. But we're also starting a new program called Adventure Hunts that will be starting in the... Um, 2017-2018 season where uh, hunters who are 13 to 17 years old who help us promote the program and can earn points by helping us promote the program and when they achieve a certain number of points then they get a guaranteed spot on one of our adventure hunts and the pronghorn hunt is going to be one of our adventure hunts oh, that's and cool. there are going to be other hunts that are generally um, for example, we have some spot and stalk hunts 
more difficult hunts, more challenging hunts, uh, and those are going to be uh, the type of hunts that will be labeled as adventure hunts. Uh, the hunt, the lead hunt master on that hunt and the landowner will be the ones that make the decision as to whether or not it's an adventure hunt. Um, but you have to check the website and um, for when for when we launch the adventure hunt program, there, there'll be a whole list of ways that a person can uh, earn points. Mm-hmm. You know, writing an article in a in an outdoor publication doing a broad a broadcast that promotes texas youth hunting program uh you know going to cabela's and helping at a booth going someplace and promoting uh at an outdoor event you know mm-hmm. the the southeast texas uh outdoor expo for example you run a booth and, and help us run a booth and promote the program we'll give you a certain number of points you know there's any number of ways to earn points that will go towards uh, earning you a spot on an on an adventure hunt. So what we hope that this will do is when we when you do get to that point where you got four or five hunts hunts under your belt with TYHP, uh, this will be a way that you could uh, put a little sweat equity into earning some points and guaranteeing yourself a spot on a hunt. That's very interesting. Yeah. So what do you, you Tristan? What do you think about trying to? do one of these yeah sure yeah sure <laughs> it, it'll be Definitely. a lot of work it, it's not going to be really easy but um you know we believe that uh, young people helping us you know through social media or you know conventional type uh communication means you know magazines newsletters and whatnot if you can help us promote um the texas youth hunting program we'll give you points for it and that'll you know put you towards getting on on another one of our hunts I, let, let me just add uh that um you know that there i think i've mentioned it there are basically three components to the texas youth hunting program there's the young people for which the the program exists um there are the landowners that donate their property and and then there's the volunteers that that help us run the hunts and um we train all of our volunteers we do background checks on all of our volunteers and um, you know we mentor them through their first hunts Uh, and then for our landowners we provide liability insurance uh, which is a a really strong selling point Uh, in addition to when we go to a landowner as a landowner myself I'd be like hey what if X, Y, and Z happen exactly and so we we provide uh, liability insurance for all of our landowners uh, you know during the course of a hunt and uh, you know, even if they want a certificate of insurance during mm-hmm. the hunt, our insurance will provide that for them. And then, um, of course, it's also a strong selling point that we require all of our participants to complete hunter education. Yeah. And then, of course, every every child comes with a parent or a guardian, which is also a strong selling point for a landowner uh, and the parents, for that matter. That they they know that everyone's going to be. Uh, you know, m- mentored by a parent or a guardian. They're, gonna, they're not just gonna, it's just not going to be a bunch of kids running around. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, the education component uh, means that there's very little downtime on, on a TYHP hunt. If we get any complaints, it's from the parents. You know, they have this idyllic uh, vision of a hunt that they're sitting in a lawn chair while Junior or, or their daughter, you know, is off on a hunt. No, it doesn't work that way. 
mom, dad, you're going with your, your child on the hunt. Mm-hmm. You're going to be in the blind. Um, well, you know I would be yeah. there anyway. <laughs> yeah, you're going to be out on the skills trail. You're going to be doing the education with us. And the only complaint we ever get from parents is that, and I'm exhausted. You know? <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's only it's only it's only Friday through Sunday, but well, you know you're getting up at five thirty to go hunting, and mm-hmm. you're not going to bed until ten ten thirty, uh, and a lot of has happened in between. But yeah. it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. cool. That's awesome. I think we, we fixed our echo. I was fighting that. <laughs> we learned that the from when we went on our Colorado hunt that it's 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 better like it's better to be out there and looking and stuff instead of just like sick. Like if you're a parent who signed their ch- ch- your kid up for the Texas Youth Hunting Program but you didn't want to hunt, it's okay if you don't want to hunt, but at least you get to see some, there's a, people, if you're in lowlands or something that looks like it's going to be gross, there's always going to be something beautiful. Yep. And you raise an interesting point, of course, on a, on a TYHP hunt, only the, only the kids hunt. Uh, the parents are just there to be with um, their hunter. Uh, but we have a lot of parents that, we, we generally have a fireside event on Saturday nights, and we ask everybody to, you know, tell us what they thought of the day's events. Uh, you know, what, what animals did they see? Did, did they have a hunting story to tell us now? And the parents a lot of times will tell us that, man, I can't remember the last time I got to spend, you know, eight un- uninterrupted hours with my child. Uh, you know, generally where we hunt, cell phones don't work, um, and sometimes our hunt masters will... Um, we, we give them this leeway to establish, you know, no cell phones on a hunt because you know, they want them focused on the hunt and not staring at a five-inch screen, you know, mm-hmm. break away from the electronics for a couple of days, and you just might see some things that you you hadn't noticed before. And so um, it's, uh, you know, you get you get the parents and the kids who, you know, we'll realize, hey, I can survive without my my cell phone, <laughs> and uh, as long as we bring the camera. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, there's nothing wrong with uh, hunting with a with a camera lens either. Yeah, you know, that's we do that sometimes. You know, maybe a hunter has uh, harvested a a deer or whatever the quarry is available. Mm-hmm. We still ask them to go out to the to the blind or or to the hunting area and take their camera yeah. or just write notes and see what you observe and. And sometimes those are the those are the best times. It's not really all about the harvest. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. it's about time spent with family, um, taking time out to, you know, hear the birds wake up in the morning in the in the blind the way they do. Um, kind of magical how some sometimes it seems like someone flips a switch and the birds come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and you don't really notice that if you haven't been out there to see it. Um, how it's always cold right before the sun comes up. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear that, you don't really understand it until you're out there in the blind experiencing it. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Those are some of the the benefits that you don't really realize on a TYHP hunt. Mm-hmm. When you get out there, you're like, okay, there's a lot more to this than just taking hunter safety, going out, shooting something, uh, and then going home. Mm-hmm. A lot more to it. Yeah. What? But one of my uh, Stephen Ranella 
Uh, it's I like him a lot. I never met him, but you know we. He's one of those celebrities we nerd. Disorder, yeah. yeah, we nerd out a lot about <laughs> him. But uh, one of the things he said, talking about sitting in the blind early in the morning, he had one of my favorite quotes. He said, uh, "You know that moment where your eyes get used to that level of darkness and the moonlight and everything. At, at that moment." every single bush gets its chance to be a trophy buck. That's right. That's <laughs> that right. was one of my favorite quotes. I was like, oh. It's burrow. Well, that's yeah. part of the magic of it, you know, because you want to see something, and your brain tells you those two cactus pads right. and those branches that happen to be sticking out at the right angle is a giant South Texas buck. And when the sun comes up, He's still there. Right, yeah, I know. And then you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, on our last hunt, we we were just sitting in the blind. We got there early, and we had been sitting there. Actually, this is the day of the when we first started that we saw the turkeys, and they and soup was, like, about noon, and... Like, there was a good-sized buck in front of us. And all of a sudden, just we just hear, like, little clucks. And we look, we look, like, out the window. And, like, 15 or 20 turkeys just walk in. Like, they go, like, for the non-audio I mean, the audio people, sorry. They just go like this around the blind and then just keep going. They're like, we weren't even there. Yep. Like, if I opened the back door, I could have grabbed one. We had uh, we had a hunt in Blanco County a while back. And one of my good friends, who's a big turkey hunter, was mm-hmm. guiding a uh, brand new hunter. The dad was not an experienced hunter as well. And they just got engulfed as you were describing, just enveloped with turkeys. They're probably close to 100 turkeys. Oh, that's cool. And, and they had... Where they, was this exactly? This was in Blanco <laughs> County. Yeah, <laughs> this was in Blanco County. And um, they turkeys were on the harvest list. You know, they could have shot a turkey. The problem was they they couldn't make a decision on which one <laughs> to shoot. You know, they were, so, they were just overwhelmed with turkeys. But, yeah. you know... And, and I don't think they were disappointed that they didn't get a shot off because the experience of being in and amongst those turkeys mm-hmm. w- w- was something that they'll never forget. And my friend, um, who, like I said, he's a big turkey. He lo- he, I mean, he just he loves to tell that story now, um, and because you know they couldn't make a decision. Yeah. Which, which one do you shoot? Yeah, that's and, great. And then, <laughs> you know, and they had plenty of time, uh, and. But those are the moments that you they, that you get to have outside that, um, you know, are, are really special and you'll never forget. I have two hunting stories that I've already told on the podcast, but they're good stories, so I'm going to retell them. So, and if we have any new listeners, story time, I guess. <laughs> um, we were, and it was bo- both on the same uh, WMA. At, at James Daughtry, the first time we went, we were uh, coming back to the truck, and a bobcat 
walked across the road, the, the uh, dirt road, and when he tried to pull up the camera, it made a weird noise and scared it off, but I was still able to see the bobcat. And yeah, you don't get to see bobcats. If you do, you get to see a glimpse of them. And this is actually, and we got a, like, like, I saw all of him, and he stood there for, like, oh, almost over a minute just yeah. looking at us. Yeah, because he didn't know you were there. Well, he didn't know what you were, but yeah. he was curious. Before that moment, there was a part of me that had always thought I would die without seeing a bobcat, because I, I knew they were always around, and I just never had seen one all the time I'd spent in the woods and whatever. I'd seen tracks that, uh, the, you know... Now I'm saying it's bobcat. Then I was like, man, that's a mountain lion, you know. Um, which, who knows, with the way mountain lion, you know, if they don't do something about mountain lions in California, they're going to cover up the 48 states. Well, maybe joggers will get tired of being mountain lion food. And <laughs> right, yeah. They'll come to their senses and realize that hunting is a useful tool to manage various species, especially <laughs> when you encroach on their traditional areas. Yeah. And on that same hunt, when we were driving out to go to our hunt unit, we saw an ocelot. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, uh, three. Three yeah. ocelots. Two adults and did, one Did uh, you tell juvenile. the WMA that you saw them? Yeah. yeah that's yeah. really cool. And they were jealous. I mean, yeah. The, yeah, the main I mean, that's even biologist more spectacular was like, I've never seen, seen one. That's yeah. more spectacular than seeing a bobcat. Yeah. Well, I, that's we had to look it up. Because at first, uh, like I saw... The adults disappear, and then the juvenile, like, stopped in the headlights and was just staring at us. And so I didn't get a good look at the adults, and I wasn't really thinking about them. And it was 4 a.m., so I was, I was like, oh, that's a bob, that's another bobcat, because it was the day after we'd seen that one. And uh, But I was like, man, I guess I guess that's just what their young ones look like. I don't know. Long tails. You know, That's it doesn't weird. have like the tough. Different color Well, we didn't phase. see the tail, but yeah, yeah, exactly. I was like, you know, because sometimes young animals look weird compared to the adults. I was like, uh, I don't think. But then, and then we were driving and I was thinking, no, wait, the adults had long tails. And, uh, and so I told him, handed him, Tristan, my phone. And I was like, look up wildcats in South Texas or whatever. And we, he found a picture of an ocelot, and I was like, oh, yeah. We were both like, boom, that's it. That is really cool. It was neat. It was really and cool. That, and that was actually two, but here's a third story on that same property again. We uh, we were in a blind uh, not far from where we saw that other bobcat, and on that same hunt we saw two turkeys fight over a hen, and then we saw another bobcat well you know and and the great thing about those wildlife management areas even when they're not open for hunting um you can go on them and, and just observe you know go different times of the year mm -hmm. uh, and just see them you know especially in the spring i was at um the shap chaparral uh in the in the summer and normally the shap in the summer's dry crunchy place but we'd had all this rain yeah and the wildflowers oh i bet were just yeah. incredible and, um, shoot, and uh, probably the cactus roses too yeah man i and love the, cactus and, and, and so you know going sometimes people don't think about these wildlife management areas as 
places to use outside of, of hunting, but they really are spectacular pieces of property that are underutilized. Uh, you're, um, you know, you can buy an annual public hunting permit, which gives you access to a lot, all of the wildlife management areas that offer hunting. Um, and of course, you know, they, they offer dove hunting and turkey hunting and all, all kinds, but you know, you can go on those wildlife management areas, sometimes for no fee at all, different times of the year. Maybe you can scout um, or, or just go see them when mm-hmm. they're, you know, transitioning from one season to the next. They're generally, um, you know, very pristine areas. Some of them have cattle on them, you know, uh, but, they, you know, Parks and Wildlife will, will follow the best practices. They're not going to put too many cattle on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're really, really interesting properties in terms of the flora and fauna that's on them. And I try and do a lot of our training and events on the wildlife management areas if for no other reason that our volunteers can learn that they're there and learn that they're available for use. They have great facilities. Um, some of them even have bunkhouses, and we use them for our Huntmaster workshops where we do a continuing education with volunteers mm-hmm. um, and they have great classrooms. Uh, they're, they're really, really a jewel uh, that that uh, people can use uh, for. You don't have to be a Parks and Wildlife employee or you know someone like myself to use them. Almost, any, almost anybody can use them. That's cool. Yeah, just got to call the biologist that work. There's a biologist that works at every one of them. Yeah. And uh, well, and Dingle Fritz here kind of has, he's got to maintain his grades a little better. Uh huh. But that's, uh, as of right now, uh, he maintains that uh, that's his career goal is yeah. becoming a biologist. And you, you yeah, and, and I would, my advice to you if you want to do that is, um, you know, establish a relationship with a wildlife management area and then go volunteer for them. And then maybe one day that'll turn into an internship at a wildlife management area and... But, man, you get a bunch of volunteer hours uh, on, a, on a WMA. If you want to be a game warden or a, bio, or a wildlife biologist, there's no better way to do it than that. Plus, you're going to be learning all, yeah. the, all the things that you need to know. Mm-hmm. And you might be working with someone who's working in the very field that you hope to get into. And it'll, it would be an education, uh, you know, probably better than what you might get at, at a university just sitting in a classroom. Right. So yeah. there, that, there's another use for them right there. Yeah. And, they, and they would love to have your help. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and let me, uh, so I'm going to kind of go back to uh, the background stuff we were covering at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, so what got you into it? Like, uh, what did you go to school for or whatever? How did you get wrangled into this well, that, that's an racket? <laughs> that's an interesting story in and of itself. Um, I went to Texas A&M to study wildlife. Um, I, I pretty much, I put myself for the most part through college. So, and that's why I was given Tristan the advice that I did. I, I didn't have the opportunity to do that. I didn't, I couldn't t- do an internship. I couldn't get a job on a ranch. You know, mm-hmm. I couldn't take the time to try and find a job on a ranch because I had to have a job in the summer. Right. So by the time I got my, my bachelor's of science and ranches wildlife, don't pay much. Yeah. Wildlife fishery sciences. Um, I had, basically no experience in it and i had a gentleman it was a mentor of of sorts tell me 
you're not going to get a job in wildlife with just a Bachelor of Science degree. You, you've, you haven't worked on any ranches. You haven't done an internship. You've really done nothing in wildlife. You just have the degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so at the time, I had been in the Corps of Cadets at Texas A&M, and so uh, I joined the Army. And the original plan was, well, I'll, I'll do this for five years, save up some money, and then go get a master's degree, and then I can get a job in wildlife. Well, 26 years later, <laughs> and um, I, I retired from the Army in 2010 and got a job at Parks and Wildlife. And uh, the, the former director of Texas Youth Hunting Program came up to me one day and said, hey, you should apply for this job at the Texas Youth Hunting Program. And so I went and talked to my boss and said, hey, I know I haven't worked here for very long, but this guy told me that I should apply for this. And what I didn't know was that my boss was the, um, you know, one of the, was the Parks and Wildlife overseer of the Texas Youth Hunting Program. Oh, so and he had maybe. So, well, she, she, she said, uh, yeah. Um, that was interesting. I'm messing with this cord. I shouldn't have done that. I don't know if that was... <laughs> uh, she said, yes, I, I, I think you, you, sh- you should apply. And, and so I, I applied. I'm a horrible sexist person. Yeah, I, I Misogynist, that's no, what I am. <laughs> that's all right. And, and uh, so my, my boss, you know, encouraged me to apply for the job. And I went through the interview process and got lucky and, and got the job. And so when, when Jerry Warden retwi- retired in 2014, I, I took over as director. That's so awesome. It took me 26 years to get a job in wildlife, <laughs> right. but I think I got one of the very best ones yeah, you could ever have. Yeah, it seems like a sweet gig. Yeah, it is a good deal. I, sometimes It doesn't really feel like I'm working, yeah. ever, unless yeah. I have to do budgeting stuff. Then it kind of feels <laughs> like work. Uh, but yeah, for I'm the most glad part, it's not. Working with kids, hunting with kids is cool right now. Like, it's very in vogue, and I'm like, and it's rare you get to say things that are popular are actually good things. And that couldn't, it's like, yeah, it's just like a win-win. It's like, that's a perfect situation right now. Because it's uh, like being a parent that has him and his two sisters. They're almost the age where I'm going to take them hunting and stuff. And it's, so it's easier to find like, gear for them and clothes sure, yeah, for them and because yeah. uh, you know when sure you were the same age when you were a kid hunting you were wearing like leftovers and oh, lord <laughs> you know? i don't even think i had a pair of gloves the first time i went hunting i stuffed my hands <laughs> in my gun case you know and made a note to myself you need to get some gloves right. you know yeah uh, but uh-huh. it's one of those things you don't know what you don't know and of course the, the really good news about uh, our sport is when Tristan and his sisters are gone off to college, and, and that will happen a lot faster than you realize. Yeah. Um, you know, you can come and volunteer with the Texas Youth Hunting Program and take a whole nother b- batch of kids hunting. Yeah. And and I'm here to tell you that, and I didn't, I wouldn't have believed that this was the case if someone told me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've guided on a number of of hunts where you know you met someone three hours ago, and they take their first deer, or their first hog, or their first turkey. And it's just like it was just as exciting as it was when my daughter shot her first deer, mm-hmm. and I and I wouldn't have believed that if you told me. But it, you know, we love our sport, and we yeah, want yeah. we want other people to be involved in it. We don't really care That's who it awesome. is, but getting to experience that with someone, and it's only it's doubly better when you get to experience that with a child who's never hunted and a parent that's never hunted, but. 
took the opportunity to take their child, and then they realized, this is really cool. <laughs> I think I want to do this. Well, yeah. I, I got two new hunters, you know, that's out, cool. out of one event, and, and that's really what it's all about because there are those people out there that don't like our sport and would, and would like to see it go away. Mm-hmm. But the stronger that we build our cadre of people who understand what it's all about by going and experiencing it, the, the greater likelihood that we will be able to provide our hunting heritage to generations to come. Yeah. Wow, we've already gone an hour. Yeah. It doesn't it's feel easy. like it. It's easy when you're talking about <laughs> stuff you like. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I looked down and I was like, oh, wow, okay. Um, yeah. All right, I'm going to stop the Facebook live feed. It's fun, but apparently this camera keeps crashing. Uh. I don't know why. And uh, apparently it was crashing a lot on Facebook that I couldn't see locally yeah. that it was crashing. And so the guy, my friend that does the software was messaging me and letting me know. So, yeah, it was a fun. It's going to be fun to play with, but it's kind of. Well, I would I, imagine the lack of connectivity in here had something to do with it. It might, yeah. It, you know, if you want to, we could do it again sometime and we could, we could, go, we could go to our office and. Uh, in San Antonio. That would be cool. Because, um, you know, we have Wi-Fi in there, and it wouldn't be any problem. Yeah. Heck, you could plug in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and, uh, so, uh, or, we, heck, we could do it at my house. Would yeah. matter? Whatever works. Uh, we yeah. have, so, well, my other, my company, uh, my day job, they are, we have an office and shirts. Oh, and, cool. Uh, yeah, so we're, uh, so it'd be easy for me to make an excuse to sneak down there. But okay. Apparently, we have a second guest on the podcast today. His name's Yappy McAnnoyingson. I don't even see that that dog. Oh well. Anyway, <laughs> uh, hopefully that's not too obnoxious. Of course, the listeners have had to hear Tristan this whole time. Um, but was oh so an idea I had. Was, so when y'all are kind of winding down uh, or, you know, at some point that makes sense to you, you'll know better than uh, I will. It'd be cool to have like you and some ki- some of your kids yeah. that have hunted sure. uh, come on the podcast and just talk about the experience, tell hunting stories and all that fun stuff. And maybe and what we could do, like if we were at your office and like a bunch of people showed up, we could just... Like have somebody sit down, tell a story, and just make a kind of a rotating, that are you know, because we kind of max out at four mics. I can make it six mics. Mm-hmm. I can rig it uh, with these wireless mics we have, um, and I can steal some from random places. Uh, but um, but so we could make that work. We can make it. It'd be pretty cool. We yeah. could and we could do it as long as we could even like if we wanted to make it like a bigger deal we could go three hours and either make a three-hour podcast like depending on how many people wanted to do it well we have we had almost 1100 hunters last year participate with the program so Mm -hmm. we got plenty to choose from and there's plenty that live in the austin and san antonio area yeah so yeah we could we could put something like that together pretty easily that'd be cool another thing that you might be interested in that twa and and um we're working on is with getting uh, millennials 
mm-hmm. out to hunt. I mean, I hate to classify people in groups like that. But well, technically, I'm a millennial, I guess, according yeah. to Google. Yeah. Because we were looking it up. We were like, I don't know where that cutoff is. Yeah. And uh, and I was like, oh, I guess I should be wearing, like, and I always, uh, like, hipster, you know, I, we yeah. live in Austin. Well, we don't live in Austin, but we interface Near with it. Austin a lot more than I'd like to. And, uh, but yeah, the hipsters with the skinny jeans and, and, uh, <laughs> so I've, one of my kind of r- standard jokes is I hate that it's popular for them to grow beards. Like they made it popular to grow, cause I haven't had my beard since I was uh, 17 and 18, 18, right when I graduated high school. And, uh, and so like people now will, like I'll go in, into Austin people think, oh, you're just growing that cause it's popular now. Like. I was doing this when you were in grade school, boy. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, but yeah, but it is, uh, like there's a handful of companies like in South Austin, kind of hipster capital of the world that are pro like wild protein gathering. Right. Yeah. And, and the locavore, they call it the locavore mm-hmm. movement. That's kind of what we've tapped into. As a matter of fact, uh, TWA had a um, uh, an event w- with one of the local chefs and invited. It was supposed to be intended for millennials, but it was a really broad, um, diverse age group that showed up. But it was all about wild game preparation, and and we presented to th- to them. Okay, how many of you w- would would like to go on a hunt who've never been and we got a little list of people that said so and we're going to run our first hunt for them uh in the end of uh january oh awesome so that's 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 something else that we're Mm -hmm. we're doing because i believe that there's kind of a lost generation of people that didn't have programs like the texas youth hunting program and they didn't have a family tradition to uh, get them involved in hunting so you know, we need to reach out to them because they're another group that can help us grow yeah. um, our, our base of, of supporters. And, and so we're so we're doing that, and um, we're looking for other places that we can take folks on hunts. And, and of course, those will be really neat because then we'll still have the education requirement. We'll still require mm-hmm. everybody to take hunter ed because, for yeah. the most part, the law will require it because you have you know if you're born after if you're 1971, in, yeah. you got to take it. So and you're out in the woods with a gun. Yeah. And so, uh, but you and know, it, someone, that is such a good program too. The yeah. hunter ed, like, oh yeah, it's it's drastically reduced the number of uh, of accidents. So when I was driving mm-hmm. down here, I noticed that on the highways this year we've had thirty three hundred deaths. Mm-hmm. And when I teach hunter ed, I ask people, okay, we have had thirty three hundred deaths on the highway this year. How many deaths did we have last year during hunting season? Mm-hmm. And you know they'll throw out some numbers out there, and they usually throw a lot of numbers out there. And if and if they're listening to what you know people say about hunting, they'll get some really crazy numbers out there. And then you tell them it was three, mm-hmm. and all of them were alcohol and vehicle related. Right. You know they just happened to be they just happened to have killed themselves with a vehicle during hunting season on a ranch or something. Right. And so right. it gets it gets tagged as a hunting uh, fatality, but three out of the million people that went through the field last year. Yeah, it's so what, Texas is, still has per capita the most hunters. I think we're at actually, 25% or something. Yeah, I think uh, Montana or something Did they like beat that us? Has, okay. has, they beat us every now and then. Yeah. But, so uh, do we, are we doing like a 
every one year it's us, one year it's them kind of a thing. I don't know. I haven't really followed it yeah. that, that closely. Yeah, I, did, I heard that. Well, Ronello, I, uh, I heard him say that on a, when he was on Joe Rogan's podcast. He's been on there a million times, but one of the early times he said that. And I just, I'm like, yeah, he said it once. It's good enough for me. <laughs> so I just, you know, let it repeat it every chance I get. <laughs> well, we're, we're very blessed in the state of Texas that we have, you know, long hunting seasons, uh, very generous out of state. O- only Florida is cheaper than Texas for mm-hmm. non-residents. You go hunting in, in Colorado and New Mexico, it's cost yeah. twice what it does in Texas. <laughs> and if you're a youth hunting in Texas, seven bucks. Yeah. You could be from Hawaii. And you get the exact same amount of tags. Exact same yep. amount of tags, seven bucks. Yeah. So I tell people all the time, um, I just, uh, we, we helped the Tennessee Wildlife Federation. Uh, we, we trained some of their volunteers to, to be hunt masters, and they ran their first hunt last weekend. Had nine hunters, they ran their first deer hunt, and uh, they're modeling their program after us. And uh, I tell people all the time, you know, ten, your kids from Tennessee can come to Texas and go hunting for seven bucks. Yeah. I mean, other than the, the Travel expense. Costs. Yeah. And it, which, yeah, yeah. Which we can't help you with. But, right. I mean, your license, seven bucks. Yeah. Forget it. When you turn 18 and you're going to go to Colorado and go elk hunting. And whatever it costs to get 700 bucks out of whatever state you're in and into Texas is totally worth it. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, we went. Uh, we, don't, we don't mind you visiting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, Austin. Yeah, Austin's ridiculous with people moving here. Um, but we went elk hunting in Colorado for our first time this year. We didn't get anything. Where'd you go? Um, I'm gonna lie to you. Gunnison. Yeah, uh, it's oh, north, okay. north, northwest of Gunnison, and the wasn't, the wasn't near Grand Junction, was it? No. Douglas Pass. Golly. Because I hunted in Douglas Pass this year. We had the same we had the same luck. We didn't see a whole lot. It was windy. Were you archery or no, it was it was first rifle season. Yeah, yeah. 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 So you were there probably like right after that. We were like the last archery weekend. Mm -hmm. And uh they like they started bugling right before like the night before we left. Yeah. Like we everybody, didn't even, we, we didn't even hear a bugle. Really? Yeah, it's we were. Well, it's so dry, and it yeah, was such a weird year for it was, weather. It was. I mean, windy. what the rut was two or three weeks late. Yeah, in, it was in windy. Texas, the moon right? was full. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was warm. Uh, the terrain is just really tough there. Yeah. It, it was a great experience. I, I'd do it again. Um, I learned a lot, but. Um, you know, would like to. I was surprised that I didn't see much wildlife. That's what I was really surprised at. But I think that had more to do with the heat and the moon and the wind. They were just, they were holed up in dark timber and they weren't coming out. When where we were at, so we didn't. We never saw a bull. Uh, he saw. Well, I never I saw, saw an, a bull. I never saw an elk. He's. Oh, you did see that little smaller bull, right? Uh, but where we ended up camping was right next to the trail and because uh, it just wasn't a lot of real estate. It was like either the river or the creek, the trail, or straight up. Yeah. And uh, and I was like, I ain't climbing. By the time we had humped in with, you know, 80 pounds on my back or whatever, I was like, I ain't climbing that right now. 
And uh, so we just set up there. And so we got used to hearing hoof falls on the trail because there was always cowboys working cattle. And uh, one time they stopped and, well, I'm skipping ahead, but uh, one morning we woke up and I hadn't even gotten my contacts in or anything. And uh, and I hear hoof falls and I'm thinking, oh, it's cows or it's horses, whatever. And Tristan looks and, he's, and he looks at me and his eyes are big and he goes, elk. And so we like threw all our stuff on and I had like my night glasses on the and we like were they heard him say that and they went straight up that wall right or that cliffside or whatever and so we climbed that and got almost to the top and I stopped and I was like I got my bow on my back we got most of our gear but I still have my glasses on and my glasses make it hard to line up with my peep sight mm. so I was like I can't I'm you know because I knew I was like if I saw something, I'd talk myself into trying to take a shot. And that was just the recipe for bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so we turned around and repacked and tried it. But we got to the top. And after seeing zero elk sign until those just magically showed up out of nowhere, there was too much elk sign. Like, you had no idea where they went because that was obvious where like hundreds had been there been through there very recently yeah. that was a normal yeah path for them mm-hmm. for the interesting to learn yeah right and so we saw droppings we saw trails we saw everything you want to see except elk we yeah. jumped one mm-hmm. and uh and i didn't see it it was in like this tall grass area at this weird angle but you know i mean we walked like it, it, five it, feet from it and it didn't yeah, it was bedded down, <laughs> and uh, it, you know, not that far away. Yeah, I could. But, th- but those are interesting experiences. It's fun. Yeah, Everything the, about it was part fun. of the adventure. Yeah. yeah, and it was new to us. All right, I guess we're gonna start winding down. Okay. That's, uh, this has been An hour and twenty-one minutes. Yeah, it was. I probably should have started winding down a while ago, but it was fun to talk about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so well, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, Chris, love thanks for coming again. out. Yeah, yeah. love I'd to do it again. And I'll, I w- we can very easily get some of our participants to to join us, and I hope Tristan will become one of our participants. Have you applied for any hunts yet? Not yet. We're, Not yeah, that we're, I know of. Have you taken hunter education yet? Yes. yes. Okay, I thought you had. Yeah, our, uh, our, uh, so Williamson County 4-H, uh, they provide, well, they didn't provide it. You had to pay for it. Normal. It was the normal fee. It was exactly what I paid for mine when I took it. Yeah. And uh, these guys came from, one of them runs a high fence ranch in South Texas somewhere. I don't remember his name. And then he has a business partner who uh, gives him a hard time for running a high fence ranch. Right? <laughs> and they're really good guys and uh, really funny, and they love teaching the kids. But they bring, uh, like, long, like the, uh, they eat. Uh, uh, burgers that are from deer that they've killed, mm. uh, and um, and they they bring all that. They you know they have a truck with a, a you know uh, they have two trucks. One of them's full of like all the decoys and stuff that they're going to use for the outdoor walking around part, and then um, and then one truck's hauling a grill, and they bring all that, and they they make a day out of it, but. You go there in the morning, and by the time you leave, 
you're you got it you're done you know 100 percent. even all the like when i did it you know i did half of it online and then the four hour class right Right. and so they did eight hours and it was everything it was eight hours yeah didn't didn't even feel feel like that because it's fun it was so fun that's a whole school day well that's uh well you know just so you'll know we got um we have a super hunt coming up and that's 50 kids on, it's really a bunch of different hunts, but they all meet at the Cave Creek School in um, in Fredericksburg. Uh, that one always has, we always have a, a lot of time, a more difficult time filling that hunt with new hunters. So you might want to look that one up or just email me and I can make some recommendations. I can look at our database and say, okay, this hunt doesn't have very many applicants and it seems to be heavy with people that have hunted there before or hunted with us before. Mm -hmm. So if Tristan were to apply, he'd have a better chance of getting selected. So just, you know, send me a note and I can help you with that because I'd love to see you on one of our hunts. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll definitely do that. Any chance to go hunting. Mm -hmm. I think we, because we only have one more hunt left before new year and it's one of the that's the only hunting where we have access to right now well, is those. a lot of our landowners have managed land deer permits so we'll oh, yeah. we'll do we have we have six hunts in february oh nice and then turkey season starts got so, it i love turkey so <laughs> you know yeah and uh you know we don't have as many applicants during turkey season as we do during really? deer season yeah i guess that makes sense yeah. i mean it's always so, you know, even though, even if he goes on a deer hunt and, he, and he's got one hunt, I bet you can still get on a one or two turkey hunts. Turkey hunts, so, yeah. All right. And then, and then for you, Lane, I mean, mm-hmm. if you want to become a volunteer, yeah, or just volunteer. just help us help us out on hunts, yeah. And it, it's it's a great family. We have families that volunteer. Mm-hmm. They get involved because they're kids, and then mom and dad decide that they want to get involved in, in, in one capacity or another. Maybe mom guides and dad cooks I and mean, we, we have those yeah. situations or mom cooks and and dad's a hunt master and and they they run they do it as a family yeah and it's just a great another way for you to spend time uh, with your family outdoors on some properties that otherwise you might not ever get to see the inside the, the wire of. yeah so it's, it's really really pretty special that's awesome that's awesome yeah all right so uh let me do some well something i should have done at the beginning but I was too busy playing with my new toy. New toy. Uh, so go to what is it? It's typ tyhp dot com, right? Uh, actually, it's dot org. Dot org. Right. Okay. It's uh, of course, and that stands for the Texas Youth Hunting Program. Mm-hmm. So tyhp dot org. If you Google tyhp dot org, it'll take you right to our our website. Yeah. And there's a. Facebook page that I just found and liked. And we, uh, whenever we post something on on um, Facebook, it also goes out on Twitter at the TYHP. So, um, you know, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And I'll be doing. Awesome. I'll be doing that, and I'll be. Sharing and tweeting a few tags and all that good stuff. Okay, great. Because um, especially this will pro- this will uh, the audio one will drop on Tuesday morning. 
okay. at 6 a.m. And um, and so then it will be on uh, wildernesslaw.us is our website. And so uh, you can either point people there. Or we're on iTunes. So you, you can down, and, you know, that's where I listen to all the podcasts I listen to. Yeah, yeah. And um, as iTunes, we're also on Stitcher, so people with Android can get us. Okay. Uh, really. Well, you're you're going to send me a, a link or something? Yes, sir. I'll okay. I'll email you a bunch of stuff. Um, and um, because I know you have my email. So. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah. Um, we have three hundred and seventeen followers. What? I didn't know that. Yeah, he doesn't met, look at our uh, social media that much because um, I don't let him. <laughs> <laughs> he wants a Facebook, but I'm like, eh, let's wait yeah. a little bit. It's I'm an adult, and I'm an idiot with it. Uh, but, yeah, it, so that's awesome. So this was really cool. I'm stoked. This um, is one of the better podcasts. I'll definitely be hitting you up about everything we just talked about. Um, I mean, it, we could even, you know, if you wanted to, we could do this at a hunt sometime. Yeah, that'd be cool. That'd be very cool. You know, yeah, we, I have we a have way. Some, we have some, some properties that have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Wi-Fi capability that we yeah. might be able to, to do this. You know, you could podcast from a hunt and, you know, maybe run the podcast at Saturday night's mm-hmm. uh, campfire and, and let people tell their actual stories. Yeah. You know. That'd be really cool. That'd be yeah. cool. Yeah, something we've done is we've, uh, <coughs> excuse me, we'll podcast on the way with like, ooh, this is going to happen and that's going to happen and like your plans and hopes and dreams. So it be, might be, I don't know if there's time to do that before everybody gets going, like on the first night or whenever everybody shows up. But uh, so it might be kind of cool to do some of that and then I'll edit together so... The next part will be yeah. the uh, afterward, and they tell the stories and yeah. all that. Or it'll be two different podcasts, so it's like a teaser episode. And next week's you get the payoff, you know. Yeah, it no, just depends can, on how long they go. There's any number of ways we could we could do that. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of cool opportunities. This, yeah, this uh, I'm excited. Okay, good. <laughs> it's cool, man. Yeah. All right, you want to sign out? Okay. Yeah. What's, what's our Twitter? Uh. Really, I'm every week. The Wilderness Law You're Podcast. What? I That's don't know. Facebook. Now Twitter is at Wilderness underscore Law. Mm. Instagram is at Wilderness underscore Law. Boom! There you go, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, check us out iTunes and Stitcher, Stitcher, and go to check out the Texas Youth Hunting Program is all over the internet there's tons of great information and it will be on the website and on show notes and all that fun stuff yeah so all right chris thank you again thanks you yeah and we are done bye